fucking obnoxious. You too, baby. We in here. Satisfaction. Make sure you subscribe Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Hell, even YouTube. Dude, we had somebody on YouTube subscribe to the channel. It was named Bonesaw Sanchez. <laughs> Fucking Bonesaw Sanchez. <laughs> how wild is that? Whew, how neat is that? Anyway, welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. Uh, this is going to be episode 76 of the dub today. We've got a hell of a lot more to talk about, though, outside of Krillin facing his demons and shit. It was kind of a really busy Dragon Ball week. New manga chapter dropped this week. And, uh, well, I should say, full version of the manga is not out yet. But the leaks that came out from Shonen Jump this week, they have people up in a fucking roar, man. Holy balls. UI Master Roshi. UI Muten Roshi. Migate no Roshi. <laughs> like, anyway, we'll talk about uh, Jiren going toe-to-toe with Roshi. And potentially the idea of Toritaro really giving Master Roshi Ultra Instinct. I I don't think that's what is happening here, okay? I don't think that's what's happening. But we'll, we'll talk about it more uh, after we talk about 76. But we unfortunately did lose somebody in the Dragon Ball world this week. Voice actor for Mr. Satan, Uncho Ishizuka, died on the 13th, August 13th. So rest in peace to him. He passed away of esophageal cancer. And this guy was seriously a titan in the anime voiceover community. This guy worked on everything. Lupin the Third, Dragon Quest, Slam Dunk, Roroni Kenshin, obviously Dragon Ball, as Mr. Satan, One Piece. But he was probably most famous for his role as Professor Oak in, in Pokemon, uh, the Japanese version. Um, although he did also voice several Pokemon, including Onyx, which I thought was pretty interesting for the American dubs. I'm assuming he probably did the voices in the Japanese dubs, and when they brought it over to America, they didn't change out what noises the Pokemon made, I'm assuming. Uh, regardless, rest in peace, Uncho Ishizuka. Uh, he was the second voice actor for Mr. Satan. And that kind of made me wonder, what the hell happened to the first voice actor for Mr. Satan? So, of course, I had to look it up. Daisuke Gori was the first voice actor for Mr. Satan. And he passed away in 2010 of suicide, unfortunately. Um, another fucking titan of his industry. Worked on all of the big animes going back to 1973. He was the narrator for Cutie Honey. Cutie Honey spins around. She's naked, spins back around. She's not naked no more. She's naked for like a half second, though. It's wild. He also did several different voices on Dragon Ball outside of Mr. Satan. He, prior to Mr. Satan, he voiced Umagami. That's uh, the turtle that Mr. Roshi hangs out with all the fucking time. Gumao, or the Ox King for you American fans. Colonel Yellow, Cymbal Drum, King Cold, Perunga, among several other voices. He died in 2010 of a, of a suicide, and I, I, I read... I'm just going to read the the Wikipedia uh, piece of, of the death part because it it's sad, man. It's really sad. Uh, and I don't mean to bum y'all out. I realize this is two super dopes in a row where I'm fucking 
you know, paying tribute to people who have recently passed away. Uh, Uncho Ishizuka is obviously the one who passed away, you know, this week, the second voice acting for Mr. Satan. But I thought the death of his, you know, predecessor was kind of interesting. According to fellow voice actors, this is again from the Wikipedia page. According to fellow voice actors, Gori was diagnosed with diabetes mellitus. A few years prior to his death and his vision was affected by retinal detachment as a result of the disease. He complained to co-workers, I can't read the script, I cannot work as I want. During a recording session in late 2009, a depressed-sounding Gori told his close friend, voice actor, Kazuhiko Ino, I've grown old. On January 17, 2010, at approximately 3 p.m., Gori was found lying on his stomach with blood dripping from his wrists in the middle of the street of Nakano, Tokyo, by a passerby who then notified the police. Authorities from the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department's Nakano Station discovered a utility knife under his body as well as a suicide note with the words, I'm sorry, thank you, scrawled onto it. Addressed to his family in his pants pocket. Gory's death was then ruled a suicide. He was three weeks short of his 58th birthday. Ongoing roles were then replaced by Ria Zaporo Otomo and Uncho Ishizuka. Again, Ishizuka is the one who passed away this week of esophageal cancer. So uh, rest in peace, obviously, to both actors. And um, thanks for what you guys did for our favorite fucking anime. All right, episode 76. Let's try to try to lift the spirits a little bit now because I just depressed myself. That was, Jesus, man. God damn. And another thing, listen. I wasn't going to say anything about it. I was going to try to go the fucking high road, but I just decided I'm not going to do that because fuck you. Um, I saw more than a couple people post some fucking memes. I don't know. Memes are the gift that keep on giving. Memes rule. I love memes as much as the next dude. Memes are awesome. When you're posting memes about how Hiromi Suru died first and now Ishizuka died this week and you got that Grim Reaper shit going from door to door. Knock, knock. Hiromi Suru, you dead. Knock, knock. Ishizuka, you dead. And then the next door is Masako Nozawa. Listen, there is no faster way to make me fucking hate you. Don't try to cover it up with like, I don't like Goku sounding like an old grandma. That makes me want to literally burn your house down. I won't, but goddamn, do I really think about it in earnest because Jesus Christ, you fucking deserve that. She's like an 83-year-old woman. Don't go wishing death on an 83-year-old woman. When she passes, fucking knock on goddamn wood that the shit doesn't happen anytime in the immediate future. When she passes, man, ooh, the Dragon Ball world is going to fucking hurt. So don't go fucking trying to speed up the goddamn process. And wish death on an 83-year-old lady. If I see that shit again, I might have to burn your house down on principle now. <sighs> All right. I had to get that off my chest. Episode 76. Uh, conquer the terrifying foes. Krillin's fighting spirit returns. Oh, fuck. Not returns. Krillin's fighting spirit rebounds. Rebounds. Yeah, I said it like that. Anyway, they should have called this episode, looking for that herb. That medicinal herb, as they explained it in the dub. Mr. Roshi, Mr. Roshi, Master Roshi needs his medicinal herb, don't you know? 
that herb. So we pick up off of last week's episode where they wander into this cave, and basically it's the cave from the fucking Empire Strikes Back, right? We're all in agreement. You walk in there, and it's like, oh, you got to face your greatest fear. Okay, so we see Goku and Krillin surrounded by all sorts of Dragon Ball Z villains, or Dragon Ball villains in general. I shouldn't say Z. Tambourine, first motherfucker who killed Krillin. Majin Buu, Raditz, Nappa, Vegeta, Cell, Frieza, the Ginyu Force. Hell, an angry-ass Bulma shows up eventually. That's like some shit my nightmares are made out of. I don't think I can handle... I don't think I can handle Bulma being upset with me, never mind trying to actively whip my ass. That's like a whole other level of terror in my heart that if I ever had to experience, well, let's just say, I hope I was packing extra pants on that day because I would have shit my first pair of pants for sure. But Krillin goes down the line and seeing all of these old villains and he has these flashbacks. He has the tambourine flashback of the first time that he gets killed at... What is it, the 22nd World Tournament? Or is it the 23rd? I should know that. And then he has a Frieza flashback where Frieza blows his ass up. Has a Boo flashback where he turns him into chocolate. He's like, gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Has a Dabuda flashback where he spits on him. That always kind of bothered me about Dabuda. He just spits on people. First of all, that's fucking rude. Second of all, gross. Third of all, your spit turns people into stone. Don't be a douche. Fucking hated Dabra. Demon King my ass. Anyway, Coco's really trying to talk some sense to this dude. And he's like, hey, cut it out, you fuck. Jesus, be a man about this. You can blow up mountains and shit. You do the Kanzan on a regular basis. It literally has chopped the top off of mountains. Chopped the top off of mountains. Chill out, man. But... Flashback to the Kami house. You see that Yorani Baba or uh, what the fuck? Fortune teller Baba shows up and she's like, what up, bro? You owe me 10 million zenny. I'm pulling this mystical shit on these boys for you. She goes on to explain that essentially what is happening right now because 18 shows up at the same time with Marin to be like, yo, what up, bro? She was my husband at. Wait, he's in a forest of what now? A what of terror? A forest of terror? What in the hell is that? And they describe it as a, a, a sort of like between the, our world and the other world. And it really focuses on uh, the people who are within it and their greatest fears within it. And they get amplified. And that's why they have to keep going back through all these old enemies. Okay, seriously. This is the fucking Empire Strikes Back. I get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Flashback to the cave, man. Goku and Krillin are getting chased around by a Ginyu Force plus evil Bulma. That's a fearsome sixum. Sixum? Is that what they call it? Sextet? That's a fe- that's a sexy sextet? Ooh, because they're Ginyus plus the Bulma. And, you know, Ginyus, maybe not sexy, but damn, do they try to pose like they is. They get sick of flying, they turn around, they fire this joint Kamehameha. Did I say it like that just now? Yeah. Kamehameha. Yeah, that's how you fucking say it. You say it Kamehameha. Not Kamehameha. Don't say it like that. That's not how it's said. They fire this team Kamehameha at those motherfuckers. Well, poof, they gone. What do you know? Krillin has a little freak out, and he's like, fuck all this noise, Goku. I get that you like to fight people on a regular basis. This ain't me. I'm out of here. Peace out. When he goes to run away, though, the trees are like, nah, you ain't going nowhere, motherfucker. Sit back down. Fight these ghosts. Fight these giant ghost nappas and shit. 
Ghost Snapper. Oh, Ghost Snapper. When he realizes that he can't run, he somehow falls into a massive crevasse that he's not about to fill with his mighty juice. He he falls in and gets washed up in some water because, you know, Forest of Terror obviously has a running river that Krillin gets caught up in. Whatever. Android 18 really embodies it with the comment that they make before they go to the commercial break where she says to Marin, daddy's just in a battle with himself. Yes. Yes. We could have ended the episode right there, saved ourselves 10 minutes and been like, yeah, we get it. Metaphor. Nope. We got to see Krillin actually, uh, you know, go balls out and try to actually fight somebody instead of just run away. So when we see Krillin again, he's floating down this river and... Honestly, Sonny Straight delivers this line so straight, pun intended, totally. Uh, as Krillin's phone on the river, he's just like, I am such a dumbass. And he really has this internal dialogue with himself where he starts to think, you know, I don't know why I, I, I missed this. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to do here. I'm not like Goku. This isn't for me. And, he, you know, you kind of have that struggle a little more worked out now that he's got a little bit of privacy and he's away from Goku. But you flash back to Goku. Goku's going to the next level. Super Saiyan 3. He's going to kill all these people. And suddenly it clicks in the simpleton's head that all he has to do is think these things away. Closes his eyes. Takes a deep breath and shit. He's like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And then poof, they're gone. And he's like, I did it. Seriously, the most anticlimactic episode of Dragon Ball ever. I think them away. And he's like, man, I wish I could tell Krillin to think these motherfuckers away. But, ugh, can't fly there. Because if I fly there, then I these they'll come back, I guess. Because I flew. So, I don't really understand why Goku couldn't fly to Krillin. It would, like, break his concentration and the ghost snappers would come back. Is that what it was? Look. So what does Goku do? Flying Nimbus. So you can't get the fuck out of this place, but Flying Nimbus can obviously get through the tree jail that is the dome that is the top of this forest of terrorism. Yeah, that's right. Forest of terror just became the forest of terrorism. But Nimbus Cloud don't give a shit. He'll break into a terrorist fucking jail. He don't care. Guantanamo Bay and shit to this guy. Kinto Un flies in, and Goku... Jumps on top of it, and yes, guys, you, you heard it right in the dub this week. He jumps on top, starts bouncing around like it's a GD trampoline and not some kind of mystical heirloom given him by his teacher 30 years ago. And he's like, cha-la, fucking head cha-la. That was hilarious. Shemmel nailed that line, and it's a nice little wink to, you know, us subbies, as uh, I think people on Anna Twitter call us. Anna Twitter? I think you should call it anime Twitter. Anna Twitter sounds like I'm trying to say anti-Twitter. And while I am pretty much anti-Twitter because I hate most of you people, still call it anime Twitter. It's a little more clearly uh, established that way. What the fuck it is. Anna Twitter? What the fuck is Anna Twitter? Anime Twitter, dude. Anyway, um, Goku flies Kinto Loon, uh, excuse me, Nimbus, over to Krillin. And he's like, yo, Krillin, think I'm away, dude. No, that's not what happened. He flies over and he's like, Oh shit, look at this bitchin' ass oh, Super Shenron from the Super Dragon Balls. He whips Goku up into a fucking, like a Shere Khan, like, 
snake death hold, and he's like, wapow, wapow, my breath. And Goku's complaining about his breath. I get it. You complain about big, smelly, worm breath. That's funny. <laughs> worm breath. And Krillin comes along, and he's like, hey, why don't you just blast that dude away and stop acting a fool? And he's like, oh, I would, but I blow up my buddy Nimbus, who's also caught in here. So if Nimbus can get through the GD top of the fucking forest of terrorism into the tree dome, how in the fuck can't he dissipate to the point where he can get free of super shot? I don't know. Who cares? Who fuck? Who am I, right? What do I? I don't know. I don't think about things, do I? So Krillin's like, let me help you out. And Krillin does some kind of fucking, you know, well-timed maneuver to jostle Goku free. Distract Shenron just enough. Great. We're free now. What do we do? So Krillin just gets him free and he's like, what's up, dude? I just fucked up all those ghost peoples. I went on Shaolin Monk and I realized I don't got to be afraid anymore. And Goku's like, oh, dude, you figured it out? I was coming to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, if you're just not afraid, then you won't be, you know, so afraid. That'd be cool. So good job, Krillin. You fucked everybody up. Great. Help me out. All right, you jostled me free. <laughs> jostled. Thanks, buddy. And then what does he do? Team Kamehameha. Oh, I did it again. Team Kamehameha. Wapow! Wapow! Blows up Super Shenron. Well, fake Super Shenron. Fake Super Shenron dissipates into like some little particles that then float to the ground and grow into that herb. That magical, magical, medicinal herb. Like, that shit, those leaves, like, they're not shaped like pot leaves, but the glow, like, the coloring to some of those leaves, like, there's perps in there, yo. Take a look. Take a look for real. That medicinal herb Master Roshi then gets a big, couple big, bag, big ass bags of. They bring it back to him. He just starts shoving his mouth full of it. I'm pretty sure that we are to believe Roshi is eating unprocessed version of weed in the Dragon Ball world that gives him some type of eternal youth. And if we're being honest, that's pretty wild. To have this many herb jokes in a 20-minute Dragon Ball episode, because I realize a lot of them were definitely Funimation um, injected. Um, kind of funny. Kind of funny as hell. Uh, but Krillin gets his balls back, and he's like, what's up, girl? Can you shave my head? Thank you. Hey, Marin, you like your daddy with a shaved head? Damn, the way I just said it, it sounded creepy. Let me try again. Hey, Marin, do you like it when your dad has a shaved head? Ah, dude, we're still talking about shaved heads. Um, hey, Marin, do you like when your dad looks less like a fucking nerd with hair? In all honesty, Krillin kind of pissed me off in that one because, like, you know me, man. I'm balding a little bit, so I'm like, yo, I wish I had some fucking nice-ass hair. And Krillin's got like a thick ass head after having his fucking head shaved for GD years. Got a bunch of like incense scars on his forehead and shit. All six there. They like impede on his fucking otherwise nice hairline. And what does he do? Shaves that shit immediately to be a dick. Just to fucking spite all of us who wish we had some nice ass hair. Fuck off, Krillin. Glad you got your balls back, but Christ, at what price? God, you got your balls back, but Christ, at what price? I think that's my new favorite song. Christ, at what price? Let's write it up. Anyway, that's episode 76 this week. So, fucking turmoil in Mongo world for Dragon Ball Super. I'll tell you what, man. A lot of pissed off fans out there. 
Toyotaro, I don't know what the fuck you've been up to the last couple chapters, but I don't know, man. You, are you, like, trying to lose your job? Did you get accused of tracing, and then you were like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to literally shit on everything that I do from here on out because my career is bound to go fucking down in flames after these tracing accusations. Like, is that what your, is that what your fucking mindset was, you stupid motherfucker? Jesus H. Christ, dude. I've been fucking talking about you for goddamn months being like, hey, Toyable, Toyotaro, it's cool to have one of our own in charge. Well, what the fuck, dude? Fucking act like you're one of us then, you idiot. Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you don't understand where this fucking genuine rage is coming from. But. Let me explain. Manga chapter. Not officially out yet for the month, okay? But we know, based on last month's chapter, we're going to get to see Kefra versus Gohan. And we'll get to that in a minute. That's like a fucking side note to the shit I'm about to talk about. Still interesting, but a side note. I think it's definitely the the second secondary story in, the, in this chapter of the manga. In this chapter of the manga, we finally get to see Roshi get a little bit of shine, which is cool. But, at the expense of what? Jiren? And what Jiren is supposed to represent as a threat throughout this entire arc? Well, yeah. Fucking apparently. They were they were apparently willing to sacrifice how um, dangerous is... How, how dangerous Jiren is as a foe to give Master Roshi a little bit of shine. Counter-fucking-intuitive, if you ask me. Because you know, no matter... The Tournament of Power could go through... It could change literally every major event in the anime and like do, you know, a complete fucking 180 and go the other way. But you know, whether it be the anime or the manga, Master Roshi's not going to win the Tournament of Power, right? Okay, cool. Why on earth would you nerf the most powerful person in the tournament, the person who has already been confirmed to be the guy who is stronger than the gods of destruction? So... In the panels that have come out, who have they've leaked? We we still haven't gotten a full, uh, we still haven't gotten a full chapter of the manga yet. We don't know exactly what all of the story is around it, but we do have enough to know that Master Roshi goes toe to toe with Jiren, and he's dodging Jiren's punches, and he's like, "What pow? What pow? Pow? Ka 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 ka! She does Roshi kicks a kicks the asu, and." Eventually, Jiren goes on to fucking ring out Roshi. Roshi can only dodge so many punches. I'm saying, like, those crazy spaghetti whirlwind arm, no punchy fucking things that Goku and Jiren throw at each other throughout, you know, lazily, throughout the last 10 episodes of Super. Roshi was dodging those types of punches right to his, right to his face. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing at all. I get that you want to pay Roshi some respect and whatnot. But eventually, you know, very soon thereafter, he gets rung out. Rung out. Like he's a fucking buying groceries or some shit. He gets ringed out. Ringed out, I guess. He gets ringed out by fucking Jiren. He's like, well, pal, you can't dodge this punch to the back. Get the fuck out of here, you old prick. What the fuck you even doing here at 350 years old? Who the fuck brought you out? Anyway, Goku sees that. And he has a very interesting exchange with Jiren that has been translated by friend of the show, Hermes98 on Twitter. So it starts with Beerus. Beerus says, 
So the old man got ringed out in the end. God damn, it says ringed out. Okay, yeah. Weiss. But perhaps he left behind a greater contribution than surviving. A change is starting to come over Goku. So they were alluding to the fact that Roshi's elimination may have gotten Goku emotional enough to have a transformation start. Okay? Jiren then says, Son Goku, Son Goku, are you still at the level where you have to ask your teacher for lessons? You'll never become a complete person like that. Goku responds, I don't want to become complete because if I did, I would stop right there. I want to aim higher and higher. Even now, the old man is still my teacher. Then Jiren beats the shit out of Goku real quick. A bunch. Goku says, I may be a bad student who doesn't listen, but I've grown strong thanks to him. That's why even now, I'm still the turtle school's son Goku. Alright, first of all, I'm a fan of that dialogue. I recently learned that Toriyataro was actually picked by Toriyama because Toriyataro has a much greater strength with writing dialogue for characters than Toriyama ever did. He's not as strong an artist as Toriyama was in his prime, but I think he is much better at writing dialogue. So I'll give him that. The fucking changes he's made for the sake of story seem to make no GD sense at all. It seems like he's just making changes for the sake of making changes. And ultimately, none of the changes are really going to fucking factor into the grand scheme, I don't think. It's just changes for the sake of changes. Almost the way, the same way that the anime made changes to the stories of the first two movies. Like, hey, we're going to do Battle of Gods again, but this time it's not a boat. They just made a change to make a change. And I feel like that's sort of what Toyotaro does sometimes. Ultimately, they don't they don't end up being um, you know, things of humongous consequence, but Jesus, man, like I don't know. Sometimes it's like why bother? But with that saying, why bother? With that saying <laughs> with that being said, I like this this exchange between Goku and Jiren. Now, this has sparked a little bit of controversy, and you know, I'm sure there have been some YouTubers out there who have said are they trying to imply that Master Roshi had Ultra Instinct while he was fighting Jiren? And that's what was able, or that's how he was able to go toe-to-toe with Jiren. He was able to move without thinking. That's how he was able to dodge Jiren's punches. Jiren, a character so GD fast that he broke a, he, he fucking beat up a dude like Hit, like really without thinking about it. Once he broke out of the time cage, he was like, oh, you skip time? That's cute. I'm faster than that. Boom, you out. Jiren is a fast motherfucker, so the fact that Roshi, whether he's got UI or not, the fact that he's dodging these these punches from Jiren is fucking ridiculous. That being said, he doesn't have Ultra Instinct. All right, so this line about Goku saying, even now, the old man is still my teacher, that's not Goku. And it's kind of deceiving because at the same time, you see a flicker of Ultra Instinct Omen. So they're going to be doing Ultra Instinct Omen. In the manga. I thought it was going to be just an anime only thing. And they were trying to just skip to the silver hair UI. But they're going to give us Omen. We're going to have to work through it. Maybe the manga will be a little bit longer than initially expected. I, I expected if they were going to be you know, continuing to cut out a bunch of crap. Not that I didn't like UI Omen. I loved it. I liked the UI Omen design a hell of a lot more than I liked the silver hair Ultra Instinct design. If we're being honest, I, w- I wish they hadn't changed it. But... Uh, they're bringing in UI Omen. So you see Goku, after Roshi's elimination, flicker into that UI Omen, uh, Omen state for just a moment. 
And that's when he says the line, even now the old man is still my teacher. Well, I think some people took that as, did he just teach you to tap into Ultra Instinct? You watched him battle Jiren for a few moments, and he you learned about how the old man was able to dodge Jiren? Are you trying to say that you learned Ultra Instinct from Roshi? I don't think that's what this is. Okay, I, I really don't. Um, I think it's just kind of an homage to his teacher. You know, he's just kind of uh, paying some respect and saying, I wouldn't be where I am without him. And I think the elimination of Roshi is really what kind of kicked him toward that, you know, ultra instinct omen. Not so much he watched Roshi from afar and got the bright idea to try to mimic what Roshi was doing, as some people have implied. So where does that leave us in terms of how we feel about the manga? Because again... A question I've talked about a few times over the last couple of months is what do we consider to be the canon now of Dragon Ball? Is it the anime of Super because it came first? Or are they making these changes to the manga specifically because they want us to consider the manga as canon as we have in the past? Obviously the change here is that Dragon Ball was a manga that came before the anime. GG don't count no more. We won't talk about it. In this case, it's reversed. The anime came before the manga. So what do we take as canon? And if it is the manga, why the fuck is Toritaro making these types of changes? Follow-up question, why is Toritaro and Shueisha totally fine with it? I hope that there's a grand plan here, but after last month, and I kind of actually liked last month with Kale, you know, cutting through a bunch of the shit and some of the nondescript U3, U4 people, and, you know, half of the, the generalized fucking justice squad or whatever the fuck Jiren's boys are. Pride Tripa! Cut through half of those fucking shit bricks. That was cool. I was okay with how they treated Kale. But to think about how they treated... Not so much how they treated Roshi and how they made him super OP, obviously. But they kind of they kind of took a dump on Jiren a little bit, too, in this chapter, no? And it's just tough to think about. Um, how a guy who hasn't really had any sort of relevant battles since, I mean, he fights fucking Frieza soldiers in Resurrection F, so that's cool. Um, but outside of that, when's the last time you see Master Roshi really fight? One of the early Dragon Ball Z movies? <laughs> like, you don't see Roshi really fight. You don't really consider him in the upper echelon in terms of power, but the way the manga treated him today, it's like, but what are they trying to do? What are they angling for here? I, I, I'm not a, not a big fan of this month's uh, manga chapter. I was okay with Kale being as OP as she was, but um, Roshi going toe to toe with Jiren. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, are, are you just? Trying to take a dump on things just because you think things can't get worse for you right now, Toyotaro. Because trust me, dude, you keep making fucking manga chapters like this. Your life is going to get way worse. And I don't mean that as like a thinly veiled threat. I'm just sure that people will let you know. It's it, Dragon Ball is interesting to me to watch the fandom now. Because when Dragon Ball first aired, social media wasn't a thing. So to hear... Uh, people's feedback instantaneously and how they feel about these types of things. I think it's amazing. And I think the studio is very attuned to what the fucking general consensus is on a lot of this stuff. And 
They aim to please, obviously. If, if we're not happy with the product they're putting out, and granted, there's always going to be a faction of those people who just aren't going to be happy with anything because it's not the old DBZ days. If they're aware that we're not happy with what they're putting out, they you know, could look to make a change. And Tori Taro, dude, two months in a row, you've not done a great job with the, the, the storyboard. I mean, like I said, I like the Kale one, but consensus was last month. Not a lot of people liked it. So that's two months in a row where people are probably looking around being like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? So I think the secondary piece of this, and that's the Kefla versus Gohan part of the manga this month, is interesting as well. Now, again, the Kale being super powerful, legendary, Super Saiyan, Berserker, Rage, Buckwild, Bitch last month, that plays into this month as well, mainly because now we've got a Kefla fusion. We understand how powerful Kale is. I don't think they really did as well of a job expounding on what Cauliflaw's abilities look like in the manga. I don't think they've given her a ton of opportunity, but last month's chapter was almost exclusively Kale until the manga, um, you know, wraps up the the chapter wraps up eventually with them getting, um, you know, Kaba putting the Patara earring onto Kale, kicking her back toward inbounds, and the two of them come together to fuse into Kefala. Gohan steps up. He's like, yo, I got this. So you've already established how powerful Kefla is. And this is the question that I put out to the people on the super dope Facebook this week and, and maybe Instagram. I don't fucking know what I did. So Kefla and Gohan go at it. Again, the full chapter hasn't even been released yet, but we know all of the GD outcomes. So whoever came out with these leaks, I don't know if you're awesome or you're terrible at your job. I don't know. I don't fucking know what the, but we know the outcome of this month's chapter. And it's that Kefla and Gohan, get double eliminated okay they knock each other out they have a crazy wild fight Kefla acknowledges the fact that even though they fused and they're all this you know crazy powerful they're still not enough to stand up to ultimate Gohan they go for one more quick you know bout they they fly at each other but Pam double eliminated both off of the the tournament stage and that's that that's that's Kefla Kefla and the anime is the character that brought out Ultra Instinct Omen for the second time after that initial fight with Jiren in episodes 109 and 110. Kefla was that powerful to uh, evoke that kind of power. And again, going toe-to-toe with the Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Blue, you know? All of that shit was very impressive for Kefla in the anime. And this one, she goes against Ultimate Gohan, who... Y- you think at best he's maybe a little bit stronger than the ultimate Gohan that we knew at the end of Dragon Ball Z in the Boo arc, who, you know, is most definitely the strongest unfused fighter at the end of Dragon Ball Z there. So I assume because, you know, he fucking found a dogie again and ditched his stupid fucking green tracksuit that he trained a little bit with Piccolo out in the woods for a couple of days or out in the mountains or wherever the fuck they trained this week. He's a little bit more powerful than he is at the end of Z, is my point. And Kefla makes the acknowledgement, even though I'm fused, I'm a fused being, a legendary Super Saiyan and a, you know another regular Super Saiyan, um, even though I'm this fused being, I still, I'm still not able to defeat you. So, and I hate the power scaling shit, but let's just think about it logically, okay? Um, Vegito. At the end of the Buu saga, Goku, who is not as strong as Ultimate Gohan, 
Vegeta, who is not as strong as Goku or Gohan. They fuse with the Patara earrings, become Super Vegito, get a humongous power boost, strongest character in the series, you know, obviously based on that Patara fusion. Flash forward a couple of years, we got Patara fusion between a legendary Super Saiyan and a regular Super Saiyan. Probably one, you know, ones that are on par with maybe not a Super Saiyan Blue, but higher level Super. I mean, they they fight Goku throughout the tournament. You would think that a fusion between Kale and Cauliflower at this point to make Kefla would have been stronger than the Super Vegito was in that Boo arc. Given that Gohan's a little bit stronger than he was back then, I still would have given this fight to Kefla. Just like logically speaking, obviously they have a reason, I fucking hope they have a reason, for doing things the way that they've done them. But my point here is, or not not my point, I guess really my question is, did they take a dump on Kefla and the manga? Or did they finally give Gohan the recognition and the shine that he deserves? I think it might be a little bit of both. But primarily, I really think they dumped on Kefla. Just to make up for all you fucking fanboy nonsense, cry baby motherfuckers who were like, Oh no, a girl's a super saiyan? I hate that. Girls don't have dicks. They can't do that. I honestly think they nerfed Kefla just to sort of appease you fucks. <laughs> kind of a hot take, I guess, but um Toyotaro, man, I don't know what the hell you're doing. It seems like you're changing things just to just for the sake of being controversial. Controversy isn't caused by you doing a bunch of random shit that seemingly makes no sense. Controversy is caused when you do something that makes people think. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they disagree. In this case, I think a lot of people Disagree, but the controversy stems from the conversation that happens around that. And, you know, hopefully the conversation is kind of a two way street and you can talk about it both ways, whether you agree with it, whether you disagree with it. I don't think I've seen anybody who agrees with your manga chapter this month. <laughs> um, you're, you're trying to, you're being controversial strictly for the sake of trying to be controversial. And that's not only sad, but it's kind of fucking annoying. So, on the off chance you're listening to this podcast, Toible, I love you and have all the respect in the world for you. Until this week. Seriously, get your act together. Fucking A. Now when the full translation of the manga does come out, maybe it'll give us a little bit more guidance on um, how really to interpret it. Because again, there's a lot of dialogue in there that's, you know, especially among, you know, some of the spectators in the ring. You know, Beerus and Weiss are there. I'm assuming commenting things, uh, commenting on things, you know, as frequently as they do in the anime. So maybe we'll get a little bit more explanation as to, you know, what that line from Goku means. He's, you know, Roshi's my teacher even now. I'm still, you know, from the turtle school. I'm Son Goku. Um, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that when the full translation and the full, you know, chapter comes out. So if something does come out and it changes how I feel today, I'll, I'll let you know, I guess, next week. But. Not really betting on it. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. 
real quick. Speaking of Masako and Izawa earlier in the episode, any old motherfuckers make a meme like that again are burning a house down. Secondly, Masako did a appearance on uh, Fuji TV's Downtown Now earlier this week. And uh, interestingly, she shared the the uh, the fact that, you know, the famous line, hey, it's me, Goku. Oh, it's Goku. It was an ad lib. I thought that was interesting that, you know, she kind of just ad-libbed a line that she'd be famous for, for, you know, the rest of her life. Just mumbled it one day and trying to figure out what the hell she wanted to say. And boom, next thing you know, it's your catchphrase for the next 30 GD years. I love you, Masako. National treasure of Japan. Like if I was, what the fuck's Japan have? Presidents? I don't know. Not emperors. I feel like if I said that, it'd be racist. Let's assume it's a president. If I was a president of Japan, I'd be like, yo, what up, Japanese Secret Service? You better be protecting this old lady, making sure she's eating well, and getting the best health possible. But that's just me. Uh, before we wrap the show for the week, uh, we did have another review come in on the Facebook. Again, if you can leave us a review on either Facebook, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, wherever the hell you listen, if you can rate and leave a review. Very helpful. Helps other people find the show. And, uh, you know, it helps. So help. Um, this one comes from Ben Cullen. Uh, I'm going to read it verbatim. Verbatim. <laughs> Furbatim. I'm going to read it verbatim here. Uh, oh, by the way, he's from England. So I'm going to read it like I'm Ben from England. Yes, lads. <laughs> uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. International listener from England, love the podcast and listen to every episode that goes up on Spotify. It's refreshing to hear a thriving community online. Keep doing your thing. It's hilarious. Thank you, Ben. That was very nice. Appreciate that shit. Appreciate the shit out of that shit. But I have to agree with you. Um, I'm all done fucking cockstroking over the uh, one year anniversary from last week. Um, Fans, you guys know who you are. I've fucking said a bunch of your names in the last, you know, couple episodes. And uh, love and appreciate you guys. You guys are the reason that we do what we do. But, you know, you guys are part of this community that Ben is talking about. We have conversations uh, based on something that we all have a mutual love for. And uh, I like being able to help, uh, you know, kind of moderate that discussion a little bit. So that being said, thank you for the review, Ben. We appreciate you, brother. And uh, I guess that's going to do it for Super Dope this week. Do I have anything else that I have to talk about? Uh... Nope. I don't think so. Rest in peace, Uncho Ishizuka. Oh, yeah, by the way... Uh, got hit with my first YouTube copyright claim um, from Victory Entertainment or some shit. They're the record label in Japan that has a uh, rotten graffiti signed to their label or whatever. And like last, what, two, last week? Yeah. For the anniversary episode, I was like, fuck it, let's play a full song. A rotten graffiti. And they were like, that's a copyright claim. So if you listen to the show on YouTube... You probably, I don't know if it's there. I see it, but I don't think other people have seen it. So maybe I'll get around to fixing that. 
this week, but I do have uh, quite a bit of super dope related shit on my plate right now. So uh, all positive stuff. You guys will be hearing more news about it in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, that's it. Make sure you rate, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, rate, review, blah, 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 blah. super dope. Da, 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 da.